uh, with a question or comment regarding the subject we're discussing. The number here is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. And if you wish to write to me, you can write to Dr. Peter Resnick at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z and as Nancy I-K at gmail.com. Before we go to our subject and before we do our show and tell part, I want to tell you about an email I received. I actually received a couple of me emails. But first, I will tell you about the email from Ricardo. Uh, and he gave me permission uh, to mention his name. Here's what he wrote. Hi, Dr. Resnick, I've been listening to you for two years. I cannot listen live or call in since I'm on the West Coast coast, and I work during your live show. I really enjoy when you discuss your personal experiences with yourself and your clients. Once you mentioned that you met your wife in 1994. Wow, Ricardo, good memory. Uh, so I continue. I wondered, did you meet your wife by doing the partner list exercise, where you make a list of what you want in your partner? Also, when you met your wife, was it a different experience in comparison to meeting other women? Did you know from the start, this is going to be my wife? Well, first, regarding the exercise. Since you mentioned this exercise, I would like you and our listeners to benefit from the exercise so that I want to tell you about the full exercise. This was just a part. So let me tell you about the exercise step by step. Uh, it was not just writing a list of qualities you want in your partner. Step number one is to make sure that you have space for a new person. What do I mean? That you're available. That you don't have unfinished business. That you are not corresponding or talking to your ex. That you are not missing somebody. You're not longing for somebody. Because otherwise your space is taken. So you cannot bring someone into a space that is taken. That's very important. You have to be fully available. The second step is you make a list. And here you have to be very, very cautious when you make a list. Just imagine you are dealing with cosmic mailbox. You are sending a message into the universe. Take it seriously, meaning if you are writing qualities, don't be super demanding. Write only things without which you cannot be with the person. Uh, but do not write things that you are willing to forfeit. Let's say you wrote 10 qualities, and, and I know you would not do this, but, but let's imagine that you write, and a person has to make at least $100,000. Okay, and let's imagine that you did bring somebody in your life who has all these qualities, but this person makes 98,500, uh, 
1,500 missing. It's the wrong person. The more specific you are in your request, the more you have to stick. Your person may be around the corner, but once you wrote the quality, don't don't uh, neglect it. It has to be there uh, in that person. Once you know that that quality is missing, it's the wrong person. Um, what I'm reminded of as I talk is someone who wanted to meet a person and wrote 12 different qualities. And then it was a female. And then uh, she indeed, she met somebody within a couple of weeks, went out and then called me and said, listen, your thing with the list, with space, it doesn't work. I said, what, what happened? She said, I met the guy, everything, everything on the list. And then we, I sit in front of each other. He put his hand on my hand and I feel nothing, no chemistry, no interest, nothing. And I said, did you write on your list sexually appealing to me? And she said, well, I thought it would come with the territory. No, no, this person could be your good friend or companion, but not a romantic partner. You need what, whatever is a deal breaker, you have to write down if it's absent. Um, you cannot accept a person. So you need to write about uh, whatever way you want to call it, sexually or um, um, physically attractive to me, and whatever other demands, you know. But don't write something that you, you are willing to, to forfeit. It's very important. Because people write these big lists and then, oh, no, 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 this, I, this it's okay because he has all this or she has all these qualities, so it's fine. No, then it's the wrong person, possibly. You will, the, the, the more specific you are, the more selective you have to be. The more, the broader you are in, in your writing, uh, the more then you have a choice. Um, when when a person comes so it's super important about the list and then finally you do the exercise uh, and i will do it with you right now uh, maybe i even uh, gave it at some point a while ago i don't remember but basically you close your eyes and that's once you already did this you emptied the space nobody no attachments and you wrote a list so then you sit in your chair you close your eyes and think or imagine yourself ringing a golden bell. You ring one time, second time, third time, and then you see the door open, and you look at the feet of the person. Uh, and then your eyes go up, and before know that this is that person, and before you see the face, you open your eyes. That's all. And then when... Uh, somebody does come in your life, uh, you have to see if this is the person. You, you look at your list. Okay, this is the exercise. Now, I want to ask uh, to answer Ricardo's question, how I met my wife. Uh, it wasn't, uh, yeah, I, I had a list of qualities that I wanted in a woman. Uh, and I was not a spring chicken, I was already 39 years old. And I met her at, at a gathering of friends, 
And we had a very nice conversation. She was pretty intelligent, but a little too young for me. So I wasn't thinking of her in the romantic terms. And then at the end, we walked. I walked her home. She did, didn't live too far. And we had a lot of discussions on, on the various subjects, and she had a lot of questions. And But it was too late, and she kept asking questions. So I gave her my number. I said, well, we can have a, a talk. Uh, one day and a few days later she called and I had a terrible cold I remember I was sitting right next to air conditioning uh, in the bus and then had a terrible cold so she calls and I can barely talk and said I have a cold and she goes oh I'm so sorry can I come and take care of you Mm, it was so very sweet and so and she visited me, and well, I, I think it was so funny because for me, take care, you know, a person comes and brings some food or makes food, and she brought, that was very American, uh, she brought for me jello. So she said, jello, is, that's what helps. Anyway, but it was sweet. And then a couple of days later, she visited me again, and then it, I was not well, uh, not sick anymore, and a relationship kind of moved in a direction, kind in a direction of being romantic. We, I think, we even kissed, and then I asked her a question, and that's why I'm telling you these details. I asked her a question, and I, I ask anyone interested in a relationship with someone to ask this question that relates to making sure that not only you, but the person has space for you. I asked. Do you have any attachments? Which is kind of a strange question. And the person will um, inevitably will ask for clarification. That's exactly what you want. You want things to be clear between you. You don't want the person uh, to have or to bring unfinished business into your new relationship. So when I asked about the attachments, she said, well, Three months ago, I ended a relationship that lasted two years. We are finished, but still both of us are kind of grieving. And we talk once, at least once a week on the phone, helping each other out. At that point, I said, you know, thank you for sharing. And I, I am interested. And it seems that you are interested and in something good may happen between us but first i am available don't have attachments go now we'll not talk again and resolve your your issue uh, when resolve whatever way you can when you feel comfortable when you feel you no longer have this attachment or unfinished business and you know i will not wait forever but i will wait and when you feel that you're free you feel that you finished with that relationship. Then you call me. And she said, that's, that's fair. And then we didn't speak, I think, for three or even four weeks. And then she called me and said, Peter, I am available. And the rest is history. So that's, that's my story. Um, <clears throat> but thank you, Ricardo, for writing the email and asking these questions. Uh, someone else sent me another email. But I, I want to uh, 
and it was like super private and uh, I, I'm not going to mention the name or even the story, but, uh, but this person apologized so many times for bothering me. You bother me only if you, your email is super long or if you write, oh, here is my dream, what do you think? And you write several pages. There is no way I can work with you on that dream, uh, with, on your dream without having you, without talking to you. Uh, but, but there was so much apology for bothering me and it was like a very simple question. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I am so honored that someone like Ricardo, for example, from the West Coast wrote to me, or someone from Iraq, I received an, uh, an email from Iraq uh, asking questions. I'm happy that people write, that they care. Uh, for example, you know, after I did this program that, you know, at Gary Knowles retreat in Texas, people were thanking me. And I said, thank you for giving uh, me credit. But I want also to give you credit and to thank you. Thank you for giving meaning to my life. What am I without you? Remember, ladies and gentlemen, my, my teacher Colette, I already told you so many times about her, uh, may she rest in peace, uh, lived till the age of 95. And she needed us, we all understood it. She needed us as much as we needed her. That's why she lived such a long life. There was meaning to her. If you see a doctor, uh, he works with you, he's on your payroll. Don't be intimidated. You have PhD in life experience. I remember about 35 years ago or more, for four, almost 40 years ago, I did this experience with Anthony Robbins called Firewalking. And I was 30, he was 27. And he told, he said, you know, people tell me, uh, how, how, how will you be successful? You know, you don't have any degrees. And he said, I say to them, I have PhD in life experience. And it's true. Nobody don't never look at, at any doctor or any authority that they are more important than you are. You nobody has your life experience. One time a client actually told me, um, I am sorry, I don't want to bother you with my nonsense, but this what in this what uh, happened to me. And she proceeded telling me about a painful experience she had in high school, an experience that still haunted her. And after we spoke about what happened to her, uh, I taught her mental exercise to release the pain. Uh, I told her actually, uh, what do you mean? I, I, you will be bore, boring me. Are you kidding? You don't need to apologize. You come here, you pay me. You can only, I can only afford having this office because you and others pay me for my time. So it becomes your time. I work for you. You can hire me and you can fire me. Somehow people here learned that these people that are called doctors, are important people. They're only important if you hire them. Never apologize for being in pain and asking for help. Anyway, here's what I found on the internet, actually, the other day. Uh, uh, 
uh, this nice man, Thomas McClare. Apparently, he's a musician. I never heard about him, but here's what he said, and I love, loved it. I have learned that life is about cherishing every single moment and understanding there is an assign assignment that you have while you're here. And that's making a difference in the lives of other people. Isn't it incredible? So, so thank you all, um, those who listen to me and those who come to see me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity of trying to make a difference in people's lives. And now my show and tell. Uh, today, I wanted, actually, it's connected with what I was just talking. Years ago, anthropologist Margaret Mead was asked by a student what she considered to be the first sign of civilization in a, in a culture. And the student, and actually the student wrote memoirs, the student expected Dr. Mead to talk about fish hooks, or clay pots, or grinding stones. But no, Mead said that the first sign of civilization in an ancient culture was a femur, you know, a thigh bone, that had been broken and healed. Mead explained that in the animal kingdom, if you break your leg, you die. You cannot run from danger get to the river for a drink or hunt for food. You meet for, for other beasts. No animals survives a broken leg long enough for the bone to heal. A broken femur that was healed is the evidence that someone has taken time to stay with the one who fell and help a person to survive. Wait with them till their recovery. Helping someone uh, through difficulties is where civilization begins, Mead said. Isn't that incredible? And that reminded me of someone else. Yeah, again, I found it on the internet. Sadio Mane, or Mane, Sadio Mane, a Senegalese, uh, saucer player, or soccer player, they call it here, earns approximately $10 million a year. He gave the world a, an awakening after some of his fans were flabbergasted when they saw him carrying a cracked uh, iPhone. And they asked him, you know, can you afford, afford to, to buy a new phone? And it's kind of outdated. It was, I don't know, number seven or number eight, but then number 11 or 12. And his response was awesome. Why would I want 10 Ferraris, 20 diamond watches, and two jet planes? I starved, I worked in the fields, played barefoot, and didn't go to school. Now I can help people. I prefer to build schools and give poor people food and clothing. I have built schools and a stadium, provide clothes, shoes, and food for people in extreme poverty. 
In addition, I give 70 euros per month to all people from a very poor Senegalese region in order to com contribute to their family economy. I don't need to display luxury cars, luxury homes, trips, or even planes. I prefer that my people receive some of what I have, uh, what I have been given. Isn't that incredible? You know that the Hebrew word for love, achava, and the root of the word achava is chav, which means to give. So uh, that's, this gentleman truly is a loving person and makes a difference in people's lives. Anyway, now, uh, now we are going to complete the subject that I started, ladies and gentlemen, that I started a year and a half ago. Remember, some of you may remember, we started, I told you that I'm <laughs> finishing and I'm still finishing uh, my book, Six Pillars of Wellbeing. Actually, it's actually f really finished, but it's finished as an audio program and I am slowly making into it into a book. So the six pillars of well-being, if you remember, uh, the basic uh, first pillar was physical environment, uh, and that is a physical world, uh, or environment which, in which people live, and air they breathe, and water they drink, food they eat, exercise they do, rest and sleep. So this was we were discussing already, and then we spoke about social conditioning, uh, how we're conditioned to act and relate to people and ourselves. And then another pillar was um, our feelings, emotions, and self-talk. Another pillar was our unconscious beliefs, and we covered it somewhere. It's in my archives. And then we started this huge subject, the fifth pillar, conscious beliefs, attitudes, and character traits. And so far, I covered, I believe, 20 or even 21, uh, one by one, and I don't do it every week. So, but we only have two left. One is stinginess. And another one is wastefulness. After that, we'll be finished with this, fi finally, with this fifth pillar. And then we'll go to the sixth pillar. Sixth pillar is our moral values and or spiritual beliefs. Uh, that will be also fun because I will be taking you through some experiences that spiritual masters traveled themselves and then taught others. But now stinginess and uh, wastefulness. Hopefully we can finish it today. Yeah, probably we can. But if anybody has a question, please feel free um, to call. That's most important probably because I can always complete uh, this subject another time. But if you have any question regarding what, whatever we discussed, you know, uh, love, giving, uh, and by the way, it's very important to learn how to receive, because it's also an act of giving. Yes, that reminds me of uh, a woman I saw many years ago, 
who was a, a very giving and loving person. And I knew that because uh, I saw some of her friends before and they were telling me about this incredible, um, incredibly caring and loving person. And she had a leukemia, blood disorder. And when I asked her um, about her life and how she, you know, she related to people, she said, you know, she was always extending herself to other people. And I said that some of her friends told me this, but I asked her if she was asking, because then they wake up, they're more open to new ideas. And I said, and she said, I, I never thought of myself being unkind. And you said that my friends told you that I extend myself to people. How, why do you say this? I said, imagine, and ladies and gentlemen, I want you to think of, of this. Uh, if you are a person who is giving, loves to give, but does not receive, does not ask uh, from, from people. I will finish the thought and we have a gentleman calling from Brooklyn. So I, I say, imagine you go to university and there is one main subject you want to learn. And everybody else is trying to learn that. And you begin to do all homework for them. Anything that needs to be resolved, you resolve for them. Is that kind? Of course not. You, you usurp all the learning to yourself and they are left with nothing. They graduate with nothing. So the same thing, we all came here to learn to extend ourselves for others, to be loving and caring. So yes, it's important for you to be loving and caring, but it's as important for you to allow other people to take care of you and to give you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have Noel from Brooklyn. Noel, you on the air. Welcome. Hello, Noel. Hello? Hello? Hello, Noel. Thanks for calling. How yeah. are you? Yes, yes, I'm here. Okay. I just pulled up to a um, a crossing guard, uh -huh. and I said that I stood with her. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this, this is a story. I know this is an international radio station, but they, they're under the New York City Police Department. They're part-time workers, and they want to cut them. Now... I want everybody to figure Mr. Resnick or myself standing on top of a car mm -hmm. and dropping a watermelon. Well, you know what's going to happen to the watermelon. Well, that's yep. what will happen to a child's brain if they're hit by a speeding car or bus. Where are the priorities of this city? Now, day long until 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, 12, uh, you know, 12 hours or 24 hours from now. Here's, here's the, here is how you solve that problem. Mm -hmm. With the electronic tickets that are being given, you know, you ever see the, on the roadways where they have the, they give you a ticket by uh, uh, like a, a camera that mm -hmm. if you go over the speed limit that it gives you a ticket. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And the tickets that are being given to UPS trucks and FedEx trucks. Anyway, you, you get the idea. I'm saying you can subsidize these people who are already part-time workers instead of having to get an attorney to, uh, because my child got injured or killed because we didn't have enough uh, crossing guards. 
So that's my that's question your... to you is where is the ignorance that it seems to be endemic in in federal, state, and local politicians? What do they get lobotomies before they go into office? I don't know, Noel. I do, is that your question or it's your comment? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, no, I I am with you. What can I tell you? There is nothing. I, you know, I like to bring up issues that can be addressed. I'm with you on it, but uh, you know, unless you go into a run for the office to create change, nothing will change. You are very articulate. Well, you have clear ideas. Well, run for the office and make it better. Yeah, well, you see, if I did run for office, then they would, and I'm not trying to make myself a martyr, they'd kill me. Because I would actually be doing things for poor people, and that's not what they want. It's God greed, it's like all. a child in a sandbox. Huh? No, no, no. There are, there are people who run for offices and who try and, and succeed making changes, maybe small changes, maybe big changes. But I'm happy to hear that uh, you you care about people, and you're willing to make yes. an effort. Uh, Noel will will vote for you if you run. Okay, <laughs> thanks for calling. I mean, Mr. Resnick, do you know how many times people have told me that? Oh, shit. I, I, I don't have enough fingers on, but I'm for real. You know what I'm saying? And I oh. and I will come in there like a like a bull in a china closet. How long, Noel, tell me please, how long people have been telling you run for the office? How long? Oh, at least, at least six years. And they told me I should write a book. Noel, but did you write a I, book? I, yes. Oh, you did? No, no, no. I, I, no, no, I did not. I, I was suggested to write a book about my, about my life experiences. But however, oh. I just want to... Um, as a famous radio person, Bob Law, used to say, I want to turn the page. I also want to make it Thanksgiving Day. I think every day is Thanksgiving. And That's... even though they're not here terrestrially to hear it, I want to thank my parents yes. for being who they were to get me where I am. That gratitude is very important. Noel, I want to take another call. Thank you very much for calling. And yes, sir. Living in Thank gratitude, it's a blessing. Thank you, Noel. Now, Gia, Thank you're you. on the air. Hello, Gia. Gia from New York. Make a brief comment to know If he puts his energy in getting uh, people together who are like-minded, maybe we can make a difference. That's all I have to say on that. Oh, and you know, I'm sorry. I did not hear. you. You started speaking and... Probably you were still not on the air. Would you repeat, please? I just heard the last, uh, the oh, last few words. A brief um, suggestion to Noel: put his uh, energy in and getting like-minded people together, so we can make a difference. Yes, I, I totally agree, Gia. I totally agree. And what kind and of I, difference I, I, would you like to make? What would? What is your greatest? I, we heard Noel, but since you're on the air. What do you feel, what changes need to be made in our society? Uh, care more about human beings with more love than trying to be controlling and uh, uh, getting people to serve, serve the deep state. 
Mm. You, you know, I was just speaking, if you heard, about this gentleman, Sadio Mane from Senegal. <laughs> he doesn't give speeches. He actually acts. He, he helps people. He opens schools. He helps people financially. So, yeah, I agree with you. Gia, thank you very much for calling. No, no, I was calling, remember last week about the mirrors? I was follow, I'm following up. You asked me to call back. Oh, I, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Please, yeah. did you did you make a yeah, correction? Now, here's, I, I did what you suggested. And yes. uh, that's something I've done all my life, ask for, before I go to sleep, ask for a solution or help yes, with the yes. situation. So I did that. And it came through to me that, I don't want to face the. I don't want to face the future, and um, that um, because I can't change the future, and I'm a person that needs to um, try to uh, select the road that's the, you know the most advantageous for me or whoever whoever I'm helping. So mm-hmm. that's where my control and <laughs> control of my own destiny. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I don't like looking into the uh, reflection into the mirror or anything that's going to um, cloud my my mind as far as uh, the path that I'm going to take or dissuade me from, uh, uh, you know, just tap my energy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so I control mm-hmm. me, control me easily. Wonderful, I, wonderful. And uh, my apologies. You know, I called you Gia because... Uh, from the studio, they wrote, you know, they write a little note, Noel from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and they wrote, uh, did a typo. They wrote Gia. Yeah. If I would see Gina, I would know who it is. Okay, but they wrote okay, Gia, but, well, it's a different person. Okay, I'm sorry. But um, mm-hmm. that's right. That's, that's, I'm, as I was trying to get my flow. And so then I started going back. And I don't, I, I don't try not to live in the past. I just lead the past in the past i'm trying i like to put my energy into what the day and and what what i have can do to do better the next day and and my and projects and different things like that um you say but um, that comes with life experiences but i never tended to live in the past or dwell on negativity or whatever just like i just can't waste my energy on that it's just my nature but that's that's beautiful Gina. you know people live all their life and they, uh, in regret, looking over their shoulder, feeling bad. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's such an incredible waste of time and life. Because absolutely. the past is dead. It's absolutely non-existent. It only lives in our I mind as a memory. And you attach to, to something that lives in your mind. It's not real. So mm-hmm. you are living in a kind of... Negative fantasy, and you put your energy in it. It sucks your energy. I just wanted to give you a quick um, story that you, that you can have better insight from where I'm coming from. Okay. And maybe understand my... Okay. At the age of 20, I was engaged, and um, my sister and my best friend, we were walking down the avenue, and uh, on this avenue was a, um, a commercial avenue, and this was a storefront... Um, person who was doing readings, okay? Mm-hmm. So now and then she said, we're just out of our teens and we're fickle young women and we're happy and this, that, and the other. And I think we were going shopping for my intended wedding or whatever, whatever. And then so we stood outside and I, I always come up with these 
different ideas. So I said to him, let's play with her. Let's, let's, because let, we didn't believe, we didn't believe in this stuff, but we thought, let's do it. You know, just, just experience it. Mm-hmm. So I gave my, my, I had my engagement ring, newly engagement ring on. I put it, my sister put it on her finger. I put her ring on my finger and we went inside. Now the late, the, the, the reader, she gave me my sister's, um, whatever, tea reading, whatever her, her, her future. This is one of the reasons probably I, why I don't like knowing about the future or, uh-huh. or even you know, going there. Now, it wasn't a good reading. Uh, it's told about the death of her first child. And wow. so we come out to me, yes, this is, this is 100. I hadn't thought about this in years. So we come outside and we're telling each other what she told her. And I'm like, I'm not an airhead, but I didn't take it seriously. And she, we just laugh and I said, ah, blah, blah. You know, we're already 20 years old. I was just almost 21. My sister was 20. We're 13 months apart. And so we're saying, ah, ha, ha. And we're not sure enough. Uh, my sister got married later than I did. And I guess it was maybe seven years later, she lost her first child. Wow. That's- wow. That that yep. is that is, and you know what the kicker is? Mm-hmm. She blamed me. No. How can you blame? <laughs> so yeah, that, you that, know, you that, know, actually, the Bible. That, I'm sorry, that, I didn't hear you. Mm-hmm, sorry, go ahead. So the Bible actually warns people. There are literally words: "Do not hesitate to kill the witch." What does it mean? Mm-hmm. It talks about yeah. fortune tellers, and why? Mm-hmm. Because the whole the whole purpose of the Bible is to teach you to live balanced life within boundaries, and to be happy, celebrate life. But once mm-hmm. and to be free. Once you go to fortune teller, you are no longer free, because they tell you what will happen, and then you are limited by your expectations and your ideas of what may happen, or, God forbid, you have these thoughts, oh, what if this will happen, really, because what they predicted. And then mm-hmm. you actually can make it happen, because you do, your thoughts direct your body to how it will function. You see what I mean? So possibly yes, somewhere deep in her unconscious, there is a possibility. I'm not saying that that's what happened. But... That, that deeply in her unconscious, your sister was carrying this idea. What if I lose the first baby? And then she did. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes it becomes kind of a prophecy fulfilled by a person's expectations. Anyway, mm-hmm. Gina, I, I want to take another call. Somebody is waiting. Thank you very much okay. for calling. You're Always interesting to talk to you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now let's talk to E from Edgewater Park. E, you on the air? Yeah, Edgewater, Florida, Doctor Resnick. Oh, Edgewater, Edgew- Florida. Florida! Wow, I thought that's somewhere here in New Jersey. <laughs> no, it's just past uh, Daytona. If you're coming south from New York, uh-huh, you get to uh-huh. Daytona, then 20 more miles, you get to New Smyrna, and then. Then you get to Edgewater right there well, at the New Smyrna. I never drive. I, I fly. I fly to Fort Lauderdale to my sister, uh, so I never drive. So how are you? Yeah. And what what do you have to say today? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Now, I, I just wanted to mention because I haven't called for a few weeks because 
You you uh, went on a trip to see your daughter in England. Right, and yes. Returned, and then I went to Florida. Hey, I, I, I was in Florida. Florida. Right? It was not too far from you. I was doing right. a workshop with uh, Gary now. Right. Oh, I no, wish oh, I could no, get there. What am I talking? I'm sorry. What am I talking about? I said Florida because I always think about his place in Florida. No, I went to Texas. 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 Okay. Yeah. There's a ranch in Texas and one in Florida too, where right, we live. Right. It, it's so funny with all the that animals. I suddenly forgot. Yes. So. Yeah. Welcome now. I, I'm looking forward to your comments. Yeah, I just I was just bringing up a starter here that because when you were telling us when you returned from England from seeing yeah. your daughter that you had a wonderful time, you went out with her and her friends to dinner and all these things, and yeah. then you were home and you were sick, you were yeah. not feeling well, yes. and I think that was because you wasn't observing good diet and the plane ride and all of that got to you, and that's why you fell sick. And, and and when you go on trips on planes, you have to take a lot of precautions like Gary Null does. Uh, make sure you take lots of vitamin C while you're in the plane and all kinds of preventives so you don't get sick, you know. You have to be very careful about when you're going on planes because it's a very bad environment. You're breathing in the same air up in the plane for all those hours, you know what I'm saying? It takes a yeah. toll on you. Yeah, although I have to say, you know, I believe, remember, there is this great uh, debate that Louis Pasteur had with Claude Bernard. And Louis Pasteur was saying, uh, it's bacteria and viruses that affect us, and that's why it becomes, we're sick, we become sick. And Claude Bernard said, it's not bacteria, bacteria and viruses are always around. It's the inside environment that determines whether we succumb to the bacteria viruses or not. And the, the, the story goes that on his deathbed, uh, Louis Pasteur said Claude Bernard was right. So, and of course, I definitely also believe that it's the inner environment that of our body and mind that made this illness happen. So I have to tell you the truth. And thank you for thinking about me and coming with the cold. I don't think that it was only uh, the flight and the, the stuffed air, because I flew many times. But this time, I have to say, there was, there was even though I had a wonderful time, I would say on my way back and being there, there was a little sadness that I experienced uh, and I've been carrying for, for a few months about something unrelated to my visiting to uh, my, my, my daughter. And I think that's what made it weaken my body, the, the, the sadness. And then the bacteria uh, or bad food or whatever it was made it possible for the illness to, to, get, to get me. You see? I, 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 I thought about it. Your immune system was was attacked because of of what was uh, bothering you that you were sad about. Yeah, and then yes. and then and then whatever it was was able to get it get to you. I get it. Yes. yes, yes. So it's always both, and possibly let's say if I were just sad, 
uh, and I was in perfect physical environment and taking vitamins, maybe I wouldn't get sick. Or opposite, uh, if I were uh, emotionally in perfect state, but physically I wasn't eating so well, or the air wasn't good, I still wouldn't. But two things uh, kind of supported one another, what they call perfect storm, right? So emotionally weakened and physically attacked. And that's when the illness happens. And well, it was I, kind I only, of, I was I only, surprised. I, what, what? I only, brought it, I only brought it up because I know Gary Null, and you know Gary Null because you're with him on his place in Texas. Texas, right. When he goes on a plane, he always tells us about all the things that he does so he doesn't get any problems. So when I was taking planes when I was, before I knew Gary Null stuff, because I've been listening to Gary for 30 years now, before that, I used to take planes, and then I didn't feel well after the flight, and I didn't know why. I, I didn't, I couldn't make the connection that it was because, you know, you're breathing in this this air, and it's not good for you. So after I found out what Gary does, then I made sure whenever I took a flight, I always taken my vitamin C every two, every hour. I'm taking some, mm-hmm. and then I didn't ever have a problem after that. So I don't know, maybe it's mind over matter, you know what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely. But, look, even like if we continue the same story, look, uh, I had that cold, right? So my body was already weakened, and then I went again on the plane. Uh, two weeks after my trip to London, I went on the plane to, to Texas, right? And right. again, there was stuffy air. But I had such a wonderful experience in Texas. I, I really enjoyed being there. Then I was flying back. I didn't get sick because I was in such a beautiful emotional state. Going there, I was excited right. to, to uh, because I have never been to Gary's place in Texas. I was excited in a positive way. Coming back, I was feeling wonderful about this wonderful stay there. So, and my body was exposed probably to the same stuff. And yet, right. I, I didn't get sick, right? But what? But one flight to to uh, Europe would be longer than the one you went to Texas, no? Uh, you know, to, to no to Europe was uh, what five and a half hours to Texas, four four hours. So not a big difference. No, no, I think it's mostly in in my experience of with other people and myself. It's always what emotional state you're in. So uh, that's that's my understanding. But, you know, right. it, each person has to observe oneself and see how, how their body re- reacts. Some people are more sensitive, some people are l- less sensitive to, to emotional right. swings. Anyway. I mean, when, when, the, when I was younger, I, mm-hmm. I was told, you know, like everybody's told, we should drink cow's milk to have strong bones, and if we want to grow right, we have to drink milk, you know, cow's milk. Yes. And I'm wondering why, why after finally, when I was about 30, I mean, I still was drinking milk, just like uh, when I was a little boy, all the way to 30, drinking milk, drinking milk. And every year I get sick a couple of times a year because this milk makes all this mucus in your body. 
And then your body has to shut you down so it makes you get sick so you don't feel like eating any more stuff. And then you're sort of fasting while you're trying to get better from your sickness. And the mucus is coming out of your body that was caused by the dairy products that they told us to eat. So when I finally met somebody who told me, why do you drink milk? How do you know it's good for you? Here's a book that says that cow's milk is no good for you. So I read the book. Yeah, I have to tell you. I agree. I, you know, Gary talks about it. My sister, who is a nutritionist, uh, uh, also tells me don't drink milk. And milk is not good for me either. But I have to tell you that some people drink milk and enjoy it and feel fine. The same thing, you know, I enjoyed in Texas this vegan food that uh, Gary's chef was making. It was fantastic. But Usually, I'm not a vegetarian, and there are people like Joel Wallach, or uh, I interviewed him on my radio show, and I also interviewed Natasha McBride from England. They have huge followings, and they suggest that people do eat meat. So my, and and many people swear by their approach, just like so many people give credit to Gary for being healthy. So then who do you trust? My answer is you need to experiment and feel feel what your unique body is telling you. That's that's the, the important thing. But both Gary and Joel Wallach require one thing, not to eat artificial sweeteners, not to eat sweets, not to, to eat sugar, white flour, and so on and so on. So mm. not to eat a food which was processed. So I think that helps. And then the question is whether to eat meat or not. It's It depends on the body type. That's my belief. Right. Right. But, but we live in a country where yeah. you would think the people that are in charge would want the citizens to be as healthy as possible so that we were not so taxed the medical system with so many people that are feeling bad about things. Like you said, sugar, artificial sweeteners, processed food, all this stuff that they give to us everywhere we go. You go in the supermarket, 90% of the stuff is not good for us to have. You know, I know you heard me, you, you called a number of times. It sounds that you are over the age of 25. Maybe you're 30. Yeah, 68, because we're both born the same year. Oh, oh you are the one, right. Right, you're August 8th, right? Yeah, you're one month older than me. I'm in oh, September, oh, you're okay, in August. Okay, so so look, you and I know, you, you're asking a question that uh, it's impossible to, to answer, really. Or if we answer it, it will be we'll just frustrated. The government does not decide what we'll eat. Uh, Food industry wants people, you say, why would they not want people to be healthy? Food industry wants people to get fat. Why? Because fat people eat more. That's why all this food, whatever food you eat, mostly has uh, high fructose corn syrup. You know, our listeners are all more than, I think, quite educated. Because most people who listen to me uh, have been listening to Gary Null for decades. So 
food industry does not care whether you become sick or not. Uh, they want you to spend money. That's that's the answer. It's all about money. It's yes. tragic, but that's what it is. So yes, I think we they are shouldn't be allowed. They shouldn't be allowed to lie to people purposely to get you to think that that was good for you when you when they know it's bad for you. That's why advertising has destroyed this country and the people that live in it by 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 making it seem like they're on our side and they want to help us do better. So they tell us you need to have this. You know, I was a great consumer of all the things they said that we need to have because I was tricked like everybody else seems to be. Then finally I got untricked and now I'm quite angry about what has taken place in our lives here that we're yeah. being subjugated to to incorrect things that we need to have in our bodies. We need to have correct things. I mean, what's the point? Yeah, of, I, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm sorry. Buying into a system. What's the point of buying into a system that is against you, that is in the end leading to our deaths? Why would we buy into something like that? In Detroit, they replaced workers on the automotive assembly line with machines. That was all the way back in the 1960s. Yeah. And all those workers were replaced by machines. They lost their jobs. And then Detroit went down because the economy was not good anymore because the machines took all the jobs. So yeah. that's where we're all heading to. So why would we buy into a system such as this? I have to tell you, you know, you, you are now kind of putting responsibility on the system. I tend to ask people to take responsibility for their own actions. Uh, unfortunately, my observation is all the chemicals that they are there, all the things, all the poisons, People still take them. One time I was um, giving a talk uh, during, uh, I was in the synagogue and, and there was kind of a meal uh, during which people do little presentations and I was asked to give a short talk. And I got up and I said, look, you have uh, Coca-Cola on your table. And you know that if you drink this Coca-Cola, one cup has 12 spoons of sugar, multiply 12 um, by four grams, it's 20, uh, 48 grams of sugar. That's what you consume when you drink this Coca-Cola. And I listed a few other things which were on the, this table. And people said, yeah, yeah. And then right in front of me poured Coca-Cola and drank it. For some reason, people don't think that it will happen to somebody, but not to them. A lot of people know what's right, and they don't do it. They don't do what is right. So yeah, that's the trouble. Because we're tricked into buying into things that are bad for us, and we don't realize that because we're very trusting people, especially if you're born in the 50s, where our uncles and fathers went through Depression and World War II, and had to do lots of things that we never had to do. We came into a world that was like a, like an amusement park. 
And that's what I did. I would go to amusement parks all over the place, have a lot of fun. But I think we got soft from that, you know, and we got indoctrinated into things that wasn't going to be good for us. And I think it was on purpose so we would be weak and maybe unable then, to do anything maybe, about what's... Yeah, maybe then, not now. People know since 1956 uh, about smoking not being healthy. And people still light cigarettes. People know that sugar is not good. Now nobody is strict. A majority of people know that sweet, sweets, artificial sweeteners are not healthy. They do it because it feels good. So we need to learn self-mastery. We need to learn to respect our body that is a physical vehicle through which we experience life. And if we want to have fullness of life, we need to be respectful to our body. And it's our own responsibility. We cannot blame other people. There are drugs available. Drugs are not good for us, but people go for drugs. People go for sugar. So I, I advocate responsibility. Anyway, <laughs> thank you very much for calling. We're almost out of time. And um, hello, E. Okay. Good. So uh, it was three uh, interesting, I had three interesting callers, uh, and I'm very happy that you guys call Noel, uh, Gina, and E from Florida. Anyway, we'll next week, then we'll definitely finish with stinginess and wastefulness, and then we'll move on to other important subjects. Unless you uh, ladies and gentlemen, write to me some requests and you want me to talk about something else. Um, I really I really value your input, your, not only your calls, but your emails. Uh, I want to thank you, everybody, for being with me today. Um, and I want to wish you good life, have fun, be happy. And peace to all who want to live in peace.